Hello, and welcome to episode number 55 of Future Chat from Unwind Media. I'm Rob Attrell, and joining me one more time this week is my co-host, Mike Attrell. Note this does not mean this is his last time, but this is one more time. Nick Maddox is back again after a week off, coming to us after having completed his education again for the time being, which we'll get to in just a moment. First off, every week on this show, we aim to bring you all of the week's greatest science and tech news. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download as well as a 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash unwind. Audible have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and they have apps for your uh, iPhone or Android devices. So, uh, Nick, we're going to fight through your potential bandwidth problems, and I'm going to ask, how does it feel to be done school? Uh... I hope it's for good this time. Like, yeah. I'm all for learning, like, and taking a course here or there, but I would very much like to not be a full-time student ever again. <laughs> it's it's tough, isn't it? It's, uh, I just, apparently when I was a really young kid, I absolutely adored going to school. And it was only with the advent of homework that I really decided that uh, school was, you know, not nearly as exciting as it once was. Yeah. Because, I mean, when you're in full-time classes, there's always something that you could be doing. Like, I could always be going over those problems one or two times more. Or I could always be rereading that chapter again or something like that. But, you know, in the working world, it's just, well, you're gone now. Please show up ready to work tomorrow. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter what you do in the interim, and I like that a whole bunch. (laughs) Now, from what I hear, Nick, you completed your course with flying colors. Uh, Yeah, I I did pretty well. Uh, Straight A pluses, 4.0 GPA. I can't remember which one of those is a lower threshold. Um, <laughs> you literally can't do better than that though. No. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I could have scored absolutely 100 in all my classes, but you know, that's true. Yeah. Your GPA wouldn't reflect any differently though. No, no, it wouldn't. Although we are in, apparently I'm, or I may or may not be, I'm not sure, but the Dean's award for the top mark in the class is tight. The top three. They didn't name names, but they said the top three is very close. The top mark is 1% above the second place mark. And the second place mark is 0.2% above the third place mark. Wow. Hmm. So apparently it was, uh, it was quite tight, but are you, you're one of those maybe. Oh, okay. You don't, you don't know. I don't know for certain. But it's tough because, like, there were a couple of us that were dueling it out. But it it's hard to say because, like, depending on how they weighed it, like, there were a couple courses where he got a, mar- or a percentage point or two ahead of me. And then there were a couple courses where I just spanked him. Right. Mostly but, visual testing because that one was ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, there could have been a sleeper pick in the class, though, that you had no idea even existed, though. 
Oh no, his name is Stu. We we know all about <laughs> Stu. <laughs> no, not not a guy who Never literally awake. slept through class. I mean, like, <laughs> no, no, like he's he. We made or we made light of his habit to go eh, whenever he was asked a question. So it's like, hey, Stu, <laughs> how'd you do on that last exam? Eh, I did okay. And by yeah. okay, he means like ninety six, ninety seven. Right. Right. So <laughs> it all depends on how Stu did. Yeah, he he locked down the radiographic testing award with 100% on his final, so good for okay. him. That'll do it, yeah. Yeah, so it depends <laughs> on uh, how Stu did on the rest of the classes, I guess. Right. Well, Nick, you have uh, the Unwind Media Peon Union behind you for your support. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And the Council of Dictatorship as well. Yeah. <laughs> 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 of which I am president and chair for life. Yes. <laughs> so uh, before we get too far into the show, um, there's a couple pieces of uh, news that took place over the last week or the last two weeks, I guess, that uh, that we can we want to sort of bring back up as follow up. And uh, the first one belongs to you, Nick. What what happened with your bike, or what happened with potentially your bike? Well, my bike itself is actually in the shop right now being reassembled. Yeah. Uh, because it has crossed the country as many times as I have now. <laughs> um, but my bike could maybe kill me because okay. the uh, quick release latch on the front, which was in use from 2000 to uh, 2015, so up until right now, basically. Um, the quick release lever can extend beyond 180 degrees and that will allow it to catch in one of the disc brakes. If you have a front disc brake and many bicycles do. Mm -hmm. And I forget what happened. Like, yeah, the there's been a recall of like a million bikes after a rider was paralyzed when that happened. Mm. Like I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how the f- quick release would actually catch in the front. Like maybe it wasn't as tight as it should have been, but mm-hmm. you know, the ability for the quick release to completely stop up the front wheel is it's a Dangerous. bit of an oversight. Yeah. Yeah. Do, uh, so for people who w- haven't been listening since our bicycles episode, which I believe was number 20 or so, um, at that point, you had broken your chain. Have Belt. you ridden it since? Belt. Belt. What, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're not a literal metal chain, but your chain equivalent, it's a belt. <laughs> Have you fixed that? Or is this, is this going to be your first time riding it since that happened? Uh, it's going to be my first time riding it. Okay. You're yeah. looking forward to it then. Assuming you have this problem that they've had dealt with, so you're not worrying about getting paralyzed. Oh, I, I absolutely have that quick release in front. So... Uh, I just, I'm probably going to ride it for just a little while because I miss it. So, <laughs> so it's worth the risk of paralyzation is what you're saying. Well, honestly, like I've <laughs> what crashed it a couple times now. Yeah. And well, it was, I, uh, words are hard. 
I also think the guy that got paralyzed might have been doing like a mountain, an actual mountain bike kind of thing. In which case, yeah, you could totally see why someone would get paralyzed after being thrown. But mine are, well, I, my rides are significantly less high stakes. Yeah, you don't have that fall down a mountain element. That, yeah, I, yeah, I try and avoid that because I, I am a clumsy person. Um, but there is, a tr- uh, there is a Trek dealership in town at which I can drop it off and get the free work done. But So, so why, why would you write, write it before doing that? I'm reading the, the press release here. Why wouldn't you do that? It says it's free. <laughs> because that's how I get around, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so bike one spot from, from your house to there. <laughs> Well, no, I'd bike from the shop to there, but then I sure, still yeah, don't yeah. have it, and I imagine there are a lot of them going in right now. I guess so. Yeah. I Although I imagine I always wonder how, how quickly recalls get disseminated through the public, because I, I don't listen to the news, so I wouldn't hear a lot of this. I didn't hear yeah. about this until you posted it. Oh, I, uh, Actually, I read it on Reddit. Okay. Just a, uh, hmm. a quick PSA for at least our Canadian listeners. The government of Canada actually has a RSS feed for recalls. Oh. Um, I, I believe by law, if there is a large scale or just any recall really like this, that's what takes place within Canada or affects Canadian products. They have to submit it to the government and then the government will release it through their feed. Um, hmm. So we could, I don't know, just Google I, it. But you can. Even, I, I made a note. I'll put a link. Okay. If you give me the link, I'll put a link okay, to I'll it. Give, I'll give the link and then it'll be in the notes. Uh, okay. So add that to your RSS feed or just check it randomly if you want. <laughs> and, or just uh, go to google.com slash reader and cry and then <laughs> go back to your day. <laughs> Redirect cry? What? No, go, go back to google.com slash reader oh, and, and then cry. cry. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is absolutely the right course of action. I actually read, I read an April Fool's article from, I think it was like Android Police or Android Central that Google Reader came back to the App Store. And then I was actually like, yes! I was like, wait. In the App Store? <laughs> yeah, like, or not in the App Store, in the Google Play. Okay. Like in the Play Store wait. that the Google Reader was, app came back. Was there a Reader app for Android? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. It yeah. was an April Fool's joke. And <laughs> That's I was sad. sad. Uh, all right. So the next piece here, hold Mike, on, why hold don't you on. take this? Well, I, I think we should actually stop and say, if you have a Trek bicycle and the quick release on the front wheel or the front hub is black or silver, and you also have a front disc brake, you should probably look into this further. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I thought that was implied, but yes. <laughs> I Definitely don't know. Go do just, that. You you may as well you never state know. it verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> Future chat could save lives. It's true. It well, could. Well, maybe we already have. I, I was going to say, I'd like to think we already have. But. I think we enrich them, maybe, but. I think we saved some lives. Okay. Uh, so, Mike, what, what's going on, Mike, with, uh, with Google smartwatches? Um, so, this is just kind of a little article I read that was not really. It wasn't advertised as this development, but it was something I thought was worth noting and how official or concrete it is is debatable. Um, but I guess one of the journalists at Wired was doing an interview with one of the Android Wear guys and he made a passing comment about how 
the Android Wear OS has now been uh, upgraded to allow communication between your watch and your phone, even if they're not within Bluetooth range. Mm -hmm. So if your phone and your watch are both connected to the internet, I believe it's Wi-Fi. They're saying as long as your phone is on Wi-Fi, but that doesn't really make sense. Why'd it have to be Wi-Fi? It, yeah, it says as long as your phone is on and online. Oh, is it online? Okay, so then fine. 4G or Wi-Fi, I guess. That your Android Wear watch will be able to connect to Wi-Fi on its own, right. not having to rely on the phone's internet connection to tether to, and then the watch and the phone will be able to communicate, hmm. which is I assume, really cool. I assume that's not call relays. I don't even. I assume by you that. wouldn't be able to answer your if your phone oh. rings. You wouldn't be able to answer it on your watch. If it's like Google Voice, it could. Right, but not a phone call. No. Um, yeah. Ideally, we're moving away from phone calls, but uh, in a perfect world, we'd be moving yeah. away from phone calls from SMS. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the reason the reason that this is exciting for me because. Right now, even if how how often are you going to leave your phone at home and only have your watch and also be connected to Wi-Fi? Probably not. I would do that every day well, if I could. Sure, if you're at work and you're connected to Wi-Fi or I don't know. But the reason that I think this has a lot of promise is because when we were talking about the new 5G technology um, with those little hubs that were kind of scattered throughout the city, yeah, their big thing is that their signal can be either a uh, LTE or a Wi-Fi type signal. Right. So if you're out and just connected, your your watch could potentially connect to that signal and be as consistent and widespread as an LTE signal, but it'd be a Wi-Fi protocol. So sure. your watch would be able to talk to it. So this is, I think this is leading into literally just being always connected regardless of where you are. And that's kind of like the dream for me for yeah. wearables is not having to rely on your phone always being there. So good step for Android wear. Nice. Yeah. The Apple watch was just finally released this past Friday. Uh, people started getting their shipments and people went into high end fancy watch boutiques and, and uh, got their watches and they can do it. They can communicate over the same Wi-Fi network, but not over okay. the internet. So that's still better than what the better than nothing better than just yeah. Bluetooth. But yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's ideally what you could be able to do is if your phone is upstairs and you're downstairs out of Bluetooth range, but still able yeah. to be connected if they're both on the same Wi-Fi. Right. Okay. So uh, I'm going to jump ahead here out of order in, this, in these notes, so don't be alarmed. Um, but Nick, I want to hear <gasps> this. Oh, I hear sorry. This I, rant. I got alarmed there for a second. I. <laughs> <oof>. <laughs> I want to hear this rant you have because I'm look just looking at the URL. I can tell I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Unless there's two rants, you have two rants here. No, or it's, they the same thing. It's all one, and I really just I uh. So there was a story <laughs> a while back that was about uh, pasta and okay. the glycemic index associated therewith. And they were saying that if you refrigerated pasta and then reheated reheated it, it was actually better for you because uh, reasons. Um, I think 
the way it was supposed to work is some of the starches get converted to either indigestible or slower digesting starches. Yeah. So like they were saying, you know, if you like pasta, but you maybe want to get a lower calorie or caloric dose from it, maybe refrigerate it before eating it or reheat it before serving it or, you know, whatever. Um, and so that was out there and did not make waves at all. Pretty much as right. far as I heard, but then it, it would you say it made microwaves? <laughs> <laughs> uh. I would absolutely say that. Ah, <laughs> uh, future chat. Oh, no, come for the science, stay for the puns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. And like, are you guys aware of what the glycemic index is? Yes. I'm familiar with the concept of it. Yeah, it has to do with the insulin spike that you get after eating something. So some a food like steak, for example, or you know, tuna, like pure protein, uh, very, very low glycemic index. Doesn't yeah. really cause that big an insulin spike. And uh something like I think mashed potatoes is one of the worst things. Like if you do not leave the potato skins on and you just eat all that starch that causes a very significant spike. I think it's based off of zero to a hundred with a hundred being glucose anyway. Mm -hmm. And there's some interesting things about it. Like the reason that health Canada hasn't embraced it totally is that it, it's kind of sort of wonky. Like you can have a different GI for a food depending on the time of day. Mm -hmm. Or one of the interesting things was if you pair, if you pair starches with something fatty, like I think they, the example was pasta and olive oil. It actually drops the GI for the total meal, Hmm. which is, you know, another interesting thing. But again, I digress. That's basically why they haven't hopped on that train yet because it's very volatile. Yep. But anyway, so I think this got retweeted by like IFL science or I freaking love science or whatever that might stand for. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That got picked up and it was some Sri Lankan scientists who wanted to look at a different way of cooking rice because rice is a staple in the developing world. And so they said, well, here's what we did. We took the rice, we cooked it with some coconut oil, and then we, once we cooked it, we just put it in the fridge, and then we served it. And we found it had a much lower glycemic index. And I saw that, and I was like, oh, it's a lot like the pasta thing, which makes sense, because both yeah. wheat and rice are grains, and it yeah. might be similar starch conversions, yada, yada, yada. But every single comment I saw on Facebook was like, wow, coconut oil to the rescue again. Can you believe another application for coconut oil? <laughs> and it was just, oh. That's good. No. In, in fairness, in fairness, they use both. So you really can't isolate the two effects. Well, no. And like, like I said before, like there has been evidence to suggest that you know, using oils in cooking can lower the yep. glycemic index of the yeah. meal. Yep. And in this case, I actually, you know, followed the link poll 
because I was like, Wait. okay, what possible evidence could you have for this? And they were saying that the lipids bind the amylase or something like that, or the amylose. So I don't know if that just goes unabsorbed or what happens, but are you guys are familiar with amylose? Yeah. Sugar found in breads and yeah. I guess rice too. Okay. Sure. But they were saying like a like, carbohydrate in any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, amylase being the enzyme that breaks it down. And okay. you can find amylase in your mouth, which is super cool. But <laughs> so, yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, no. Like, yes, coconut oil is good, but God. That's, that's not as good as someone on Facebook once said that they had a really bad migraine. So they, they lit up their essential oils, they did whatever, and then popped a couple of Tylenol and their headache went away. And they said, thanks, <laughs> essential oils. <laughs> and it was like, hmm. Oh, okay. That's... Could we have like, <laughs> for the next year, we should just watch Facebook for complete misinterpretations of science <laughs> and then just have an all-star show around Christmas or something like that. That would be so fun. <laughs> Could have like a bracket system to see who, which yeah. was the absolute worst Facebook comment yeah. of all year. Yeah. I like that. I like that we're singling out individual people who are posting things that are like trying to do the right thing, but just bad at it. No, I'm, I'm not down for like shaming the person. No, no one's shaming. Absolutely, okay, the story the itself, misinterpretation. Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, people on Facebook do not necessarily understand causation. Yep, I think is how I could sum that rant up. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was my that was my thing. Okay. Yeah, I read that, and it just seemed like another one of those things that you have to take it. There's, there's going to be a news cycle about the story, and then it's going to go away, and, and I we sure just have to live so. with that. Yeah. But OMG, guys, can you honestly believe how great coconut oil is? I can't. I have actually heard good things about it, to be fair. I mean, use it for cooking, by all means, but... Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> as have I, and, like, people doing oil pulls or whatever it is, like, holding it in their mouth, and then... I don't know. That's a little weird, but... I've heard okay. people just doing shots of it in the morning. Also a little weird, but all right. <laughs> but, really? Yeah. <laughs> just straight up shots. Yeah. Just take your shooter of oil. And... That doesn't seem as healthy. Apparently it is. People swear uh, by it. Yeah, but I, I mean, know, uh, people swear by a lot of things. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> a lot as of weird I, stuff. As I look at the entire plate of bacon in front of me. Gentlemen, continue. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different a whole different shot of fat. <laughs> All right, uh, Mike. I assume this was you that put this in here. The, yeah. The Tesla news. Both for me, but yeah. So oh, we, yeah. we talked about a couple weeks ago about Tesla, kind of hinting at working on new battery technology, and people speculating yeah. that it was for the home. And you know, we kind of did our own analysis of how practical that would be in the applications for it. So it looks like Tesla has officially taken the wraps off of their or hint or explicitly stated that their new product is a large battery for your home right um 
which everyone kind of figured. And they also hinted at a more, I think they said a, a utility-oriented battery, a very large utility-oriented battery. So I don't know if that's more related to power distribution to like a grid-type system, but we'll have to see what the actual product is. But uh, just kind of more minor follow-up of that it's been confirmed that there is going to be a Tesla battery for your home. Right. So... And that's April thirtieth is the event. Yeah, there's going to be a yeah, there's an April event for that. Yeah, April thirtieth. That that's really cool. Releasing that product or at least announcing it. Yeah, I'm excited for more batteries from Tesla. They've been doing well with their batteries so far. Yeah. Every time I've uh, I've heard about you know large scale battery like that, my two cents is that I want to take a Tesla battery and put it in like a little micro home in the mountains somewhere. Yeah, with solar panels, yeah, or like one of those rooftop wind things. Like, I figure I'm not actually going to use a cottage like that all the time, so it can just charge while I'm away on a small scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. makes sense. Sounds exciting. And so, Mike, there's one more. I assume this story about Google is following up from yeah. last week when we talked about it. Yeah. So. Our loyal viewers may remember that last year, or last week we talked about the EU uh, alleging that Google is participating in anti-competitive practices Behaviors? with their search yeah. results. Um, so it looks like Canada has also, or there's been evidence that Canada may be also uh, pursuing their own allegations and litigations against Google. Um, apparently they're already kind of initiated it back in 2013 and then it never actually went anywhere, but now that people are thinking that now that the EU is kind of moving forward with it more publicly, that Canada is going to start pursuing it again because they've uh, put out a call for experienced, I guess, litigation specialists to kind of head up the case. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where it goes and if you'll see some new precedents being set for anti-competitive uh, suits against google hmm. yeah we'll have to see where it goes but i i don't know i'm always i always feel like the eu is kind of the world watchdog for overthinking these kinds of things so seeing that canada's falling suit i don't know that it's going to necessarily go as far because i think people in canada and north america don't really care as much as they do in the eu about this kind of thing yeah i'm kind of glad this was brought up because i wanted to put my two cents in but Last week, I was just helplessly listening to the podcast without actually having a mic. <laughs> Guys, it was horrible. Just horrible. That's how but, I feel every episode of East Meets West. East Meets West. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? It is. <laughs> um, well, no, uh, I don't know. Your commentary has actually been very valuable thus far as an Damn. aside. But like the competition thing, I mean... People have an alternative. It's called Bing, and it sucks. Like it's just terrible. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, Google's like putting its own stuff ahead of other things. It's like, yeah, it's a business, not a public service. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, when that's the thing. Become like, verbs. It is yeah. actually a for-profit corporation, and. Would you look at that? They're looking out for their own financial interests. 
Who knew? Like what? I mean, I just, I just <laughs> don't understand like how you could say like Google is, I, I don't get it is the short form of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think that was the conclusion we came to, right? We don't get it either. Yeah. Like my boss at work, his default browser or his default search engine when he opens Internet Explorer is Yahoo. So that's what he uses. Granted, he's yeah. he's of a different generation, so he doesn't <laughs> go to Google. He doesn't go to Google out of habit or just right. be, uh, for any reason. Just, he'll use whatever one pops up. That that's just the internet. Maybe he yeah. just wants to use the. Uh, maybe he wants to use the official search engine of the Calgary Stampede, Mike. He might. <laughs> Did you ever think of that? I I hadn't actually. <laughs> maybe maybe he's a loyal Calgarian. Yeah, could be. Could for be. for his own reasons, he uses that, which is fine. And it shows that people do use it. Yahoo is a very profitable business itself, and they have their own demographic. But Google has theirs, and they shouldn't be faulted for, like you said, looking out for their own business. Remember that time when Google caught Bing blatantly copying (laughs) Google searches? That was so good. (laughs) It's just... Yeah. And, like, in their statement, they were like, we totally welcome competition, but, like actual competition not just copying us yeah it's uh it's similar to the if people haven't heard of this the whole thing was that they use specific search terms that are meaningless and ascribe to false meaning to them and then when you search for that thing results would pop up fake results and then bing also copied those fake results later it's a similar thing to what map makers do oh right and they Um, did they went to like such ridiculous lengths for it it was what like dozens of characters long and completely yeah. random and they were like yeah we we don't actually want people to search for this and get this because you know it's it, it's not a real thing and we would yeah. hate to disappoint our customers but we figured out that there's like i don't know it was something on the order of one in a few trillion or something like that odds that that search will be made and they're like so we're pretty we're, we're okay having one positive hit for this one Google search. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. So uh, let, let's jump into the main part of the show, the news stories, and uh, straight from Google to Google. This week, we got some uh, some very interesting news because I think all three of us have been, at one point or another, interested in what was google voice where you had a phone number with google and but that was it was basically your your phone service went through google i think they could do it you could do it through sprint as well um but google voice never actually made it out of the states and now as of this week google has released has launched their own mobile network which piggybacks off of i believe it's verizon and t-mobile t-mobile um so if you have a Nexus 6, you can get a spe- you will and you're in the states, you will be able to get a special SIM card from Google that will allow you to piggyback off of those two mobile networks as well as select Wi-Fi networks across the, their country and you I think it's $20 for or no, thir- it starts at $30 the plans. No, no, that it, gets was, you one- it was 20. Was it 20? 20 with no data, right? With yeah, yeah. 20 with no data. 20 okay. bucks plus 10 10 bucks a gig. Yeah. And so you can basically just use it, and then any data you don't use gets 
the money gets refunded to you up to, I think it's like 0.1 gigabytes or something. So you can basically just use as much data as you want. You're not going to get these ridiculous overage charges. And you'll actually get, if you don't use all your data, you'll actually get money back for the data you didn't use. And it apparently, are they saying it is worldwide or would be going worldwide with other, like you can, you can go anywhere. They have international partners. You have to be in the States to get it. But if those customers go internationally, they'll also be able to roam with a lot of different networks. So they're really trying to grow this global network. And uh, I don't know. I, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Project Phi is what it's called. And uh, are you excited for it? Are you thinking maybe this just isn't going to go to Canada? So why even <laughs> think about it? Are you thinking uh, it's, this isn't as good a deal as my carrier? Like That's basically where I'm at. Like, I, I would absolutely sign up for that in a heartbeat. Like, I'm imagining the savings alone would, in the long term, pay for the new phone. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the CRTC is in fact the CRTC, so I'm not optimistic at this time. Right. For for me, like? it's more like it doesn't really beat my plan at this point. Right. Um, and I'd still like at the end of the day, it's still ten bucks a gigabyte, and you're paying depending on how much you're using. So it's not unlimited. Um, I didn't see if they announced the actual data speeds, like the network speeds you'd be getting on their their service. Yeah. Um, so I'd have to kind of look at that to see a bit more detail of how worth it is to, to get it. I think for those, compared to current plans today that you can get, it's probably a good deal for those. If someone's only using... and your average user probably isn't using much more than two gig- two gigabytes a month, like, yep. um, like you're, yeah, you're within one standard deviation of the, of the mean. You're probably still within your two gigabytes. For the heavy users, you're, uh, you might be kind of edging on, being as much or more than what you're currently paying if you're on unlimited. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you'd have to evaluate it compared to what your usage is and what your current plan is. But I think it's a step in the right direction for sure uh, when it comes to data only. Because this is data only, correct? It's not voice? No, it's, or, it's is it voice calls too? too. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, that that's still not... I wouldn't even expect that from Google. I would have thought that they would have come up with a data only plan. Nope. Right, well, no. It uses the data network for calls, I'm almost certain. Or at least it, it will eventually like they're yeah it uses the google voice network in that that phone number will ring all your phones it won't just ring the nexus six right i'd rather see like a zero dollar base and then yeah, have your ten dollar yeah. per gigabyte from there and then only use data yeah that's what i, I like agree with you yeah but uh i think the the sort of voice and minutes package subsidizes a bit of the the connection fee like it's almost the cost it takes to get on the network, and then once you're on the network, it's unlimited and it's fine. Yeah. Um, I was reading as well about this. <laughs> so, people, when I was when I read this news, people in the UK were basically like, "Wait, this is your amazing like save all plan. This is a terrible plan." People <laughs> in the UK, I'm, I'm on the website for the three network in the UK right now, and they have all you can eat. Or they call it all you can eat. I'm gonna call it uh, unlimited. 
data and minutes for 48 pounds a month, which I believe is less than $100 Canadian. And it's just unlimited everything. Which... Sounds amazing. It, it kind of blows any plan you can get here out of the water and it blows the Google plan out of the water. And yeah. that's basic because of through competition, this is just what you can expect if you're in the UK. It's just an order of magnitude cheaper almost for unlimited data. 48 pounds is 89 bucks. Yeah. And that includes which unlimited everything unlimited everything. Yeah. That doesn't sound that great. Why not? Pardon? That's expensive. Cause you're only going to use data anyway. Well, that, <laughs> if you're that, just that using data, the then you don't get plan. that plan. Yeah, you don't have to get that. You can get unlimited data. Uh, the cheapest unlimited data plan you can get it comes with 600 minutes, and it's 42 pounds a month. Like it's, they have a number of plans, and I think that compared to the unlimited, compared, have you ever looked at like if I use 30 gigabytes in a month, I have to, I'm going to pay at least 250 dollars with Rogers. But you wouldn't. What I'm saying is, sorry, the problem I'm trying to solve for is people that use a normal heavy amount of data. Like I'm not going to use five gigabytes of data. I I haven't used five gigabytes of data in a month on my unlimited plan in years. And I understand that I'm the exception, but I'm the exception because I've trained, I've been trained over the years of having an unlimited plan to actually use the network to its full potential. Sorry, you're saying you haven't used five gigabytes or less than five? I have always, the last two or three years, I've always used well over 10. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. So this is much cheaper for me than than any plan in Canada or Google Fi would be. But would your usage stay that way if you were on a plan where you would be paying that much? It wouldn't be. You think it would be less? You'd be, you'd be training yourself to use less because you wouldn't be unlimited anymore. No, but I would be unlimited. That's what I'm saying is that well, on this I, plan, I wouldn't yeah. ever... I wouldn't go to a plan that wasn't unlimited at this point. Right. It would make no financial or logistical sense for me. Right. Because in, as of right now in Canada, unless you're on wind, you're basically not on unlimited data. Right. And even wind, they well, ratchet they, your If you get down. service at all. <laughs> Nick, they're better than they were, and they now, you now can roam on the Rogers network through wind. Yeah. You could always and, do that. It was just at a cost. Yeah. No, but now, now the cost is included. Yeah, well, no, it's, if you bring your own phone, you get $10 of roaming overages included in your monthly plan. I just talked to a guy who was on wind. He lives out in my area, and he's like, I don't get service. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's one of the issues. But you get Roger's service. Me? Oh, right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you're roaming when you're out here. Right. So I'm referring to, I believe the plans have changed to be like they've partnered with networks that allow you to roam. There's a plan that allows you to roam on Rogers included in your unlimited plan. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Although they are, they are saying, um, Oh, what is it? Wind now has their fair use limits. Where after I think it's ten gigs, you get throttled down. Unless you, I think there's probably a premium plan or something you can get to to get it unlimited. But their their goal is to have you use a reasonable amount of data, call it unlimited, and right. that's the end of the day. Yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe it, maybe it was a temporary thing because I know they've been advertising. Wind has been advertising their unlimited U.S. roaming, and I know that there was a, there definitely was a special offer that you could get where you could roam nationally with uh, for unlimited on Rogers. Mm. But it might just it might not be data. It might just be minutes and texts. Yeah. I don't think it's well advertised on their site, and I think that the reason for that is that they're they're kind of trying to. It probably loses them a bit of money to do that, and so they're sort of thinking, okay, maybe not. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't advertise this a lot. Just advertise yeah. it a little. Yeah. Anyways. Um, I'm looking forward to Google Fi again, the same way that Google Fiber brought sort of really fast internet and unlimited internet into the mainstream. I hope that Google Fi can do the same thing. Um, so I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing what this does to other people more than I am looking forward to seeing how it, it responds, how how it works for Google and how it works for the customers. I'm more looking forward to seeing how the competitors react to it. Yeah. Okay. Hold up. I'm on the wind wind site. It's yep. 15 cents a minute when you're roaming in the Canada in Canada or US when you're not within the wind network. Yeah. But there are plans that include ro- that roaming. I'm looking at their biggest oh. They have so their most expensive plan which is 50 bucks a month. It includes unlimited US roaming. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. About is Canada-wide roaming. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's well advertised. I know I've I've heard that they were offering it. I'm not sure that they still are as a as for new customers, but you definitely can. Yeah. Well. Uh. Yeah. Anyway, you <laughs> you can, but it's not. Yeah. It's not well if, advertised. That's, if anyone has more knowledge of what wind offers, if anyone if is on, if you're wind, on wind, if you're on wind, maybe you can this, yeah. drop us a tweet or a Google Plus tag or something, and <laughs> we'll we'll chat about it and we'll address it on the next show. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. We'll leave it. We'll leave it there for now. And I'm gonna confidently say that it is you, there is a plan that some people have that offers unlimited across Canada and the U.S but I don't see it on the website and I have heard that maybe it was a limited time thing. Yeah. And we'll move on to this, this Mike, you put this in here, but this is a story that really got me um, when I first saw it, got me really angry and upset. <laughs> I'll, let you, I'll let you go from there. What this, what this actually reminded me of is the Monsanto yep. IP claim. And it's, Appropriately enough, also agriculture related. So John Deere, the uh, ubiquitous farming equipment manufacturer, has started to make claims that when you buy a piece of equipment from them, uh, particularly the high-tech tractors that you can program and tell it to do certain kind of distribution patterns or yeah, harvesting. Like a Roomba. But a tractor. Kind of, right. I'd imagine that that's how it's similar to how it works. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's GPS-based or what. But anyway, there's tractors out there that have more kind of technology 
stuff integrated into them. There are John tractors Deere's, that that are fully automated so that you can input yeah. like the GPS coordinates of your farm and then it's right. just completely automatic after that. You bring a paper in your coffee and sit in there in case something goes yeah. wrong. Yeah. Exactly. So there's those types of tractors. John Deere is saying when you purchase one, they they still own it. That they, they are claiming ownership of that equipment even after the fact of you purchasing it. Um, you're you're purchasing the usage rights for life, the life of that equipment, but they still own it because of the computer equipment that is included with that equipment. And from a open open access uh, basis, they they have everything closed off because they don't want people tinkering with the the code or the capabilities of the equipment, which. On that end, I can kind of understand that you want to have some sort of lockdown on on that because if you reprogram the tractor and it malfunctions or breaks down, then that would affect their reputation as you know the equipment performance, that kind of thing. But for them to say that they own it, that that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And but that's what they're saying. So, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I can't tell if Nick is ready to talk, but Nick, do you have anything you want to say? I'm eating bacon and the mic is muted. <laughs> so Fair Rob, enough. why don't you go first? Okay. So uh, I, my thoughts on this are having never been an engineer or a worker in a large company, I don't really have the perspective of somebody who's made something that other people are, are trying to take and claim that they are their own. Like I'm not selling anything. I'm not doing anything like that. So I'm trying to put myself in the frame of mind of someone who does, but I still am having a lot of trouble thinking that they actually think this is okay. I'm sure they think they can make more money if they can do this and say that like they, they could, I don't even know what they would be trying to do. Do, Mm -hmm. Like cause you're, you, once you've paid for the tractor, you're not going to be like, there's no subscription for the tractor. You're, they're right. not going to be making extra money off of you for the lifetime of the tractor. What they were saying, what I was reading in one of the articles about this story, uh, is they didn't want people, they wanted the copyright to be covered because they were worried about people taking the software out of the tractor and modifying it or or just tinkering with the software itself to try to change to optimize things for their field or or whatever the case may be to use it for their own purposes and they're thinking that because this is their software that they developed that they should have protection from people doing that and that that the the result of that is that they own the tractor because the the brains of the tractor will make it actually so much better than any other tractor coming soon ubuntu tractor edition (laughs) <laughs> chapter os <laughs> uh, yeah see i i'm not i'm not opposed to the distinction between hardware and software ownership or or usage rights like when you buy a computer you own the computer and you own the software but your you, use of the software is under the terms and conditions of your license yeah for that software you own a license to the software. You don't own the software right. itself. When you, yeah. you don't own your copy of Office. Like, you do, but you don't. Like, yeah. it's still, yeah. It's, 
balance of ownership. Sure. But with this, maybe it's just the dramatization that the articles are, are adding to it, but it sounds like John Deere's trying to say they actually own the hardware part too. Yeah. Which which isn't right. Yeah. And maybe just it's John Deere's lack of technological literacy that they're confusing software versus hardware ownership or licensing. It's possible, yeah. I'm, I, it's hard to say how much lawyers know about the actual engineering that goes into making software. But I know there are specific degrees of the legal system that, yeah. that are just about uh, IP, like intellectual yeah. property law. Like, I think when you buy a tractor, maybe up to this point, they haven't been including a clause talking about software licensing or use of the software or that kind of thing. In which case, that's kind of their own fault for not. If it's yeah. that level of, like, intricacy and technological advancement. So maybe they just need to start including some legality in there that talks about the, the use of the software. Which isn't yeah. unheard of when it comes to computer equipment, right? When you're when you're when you're installing your software and clicking through all the I agree boxes, that's what you're doing. Is your is your fair use and your agreement to to the terms? Yeah. Nick, did you have anything to add? Are you still muted? That is, <laughs> that is just one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Like. <laughs> I get with software, like you're not purchasing the software, you're purchasing a license to use the software. But yeah. like, that is just, and and why? Like, because they're protecting their software that, like, granted, I don't know very much about it, but how many people are trying to reverse engineer John Deere tractor software? Probably quite a few who don't want to pay for the equipment but can install the software on their existing equipment. Uh, I'm not sure I guess. that's true. Uh, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's the same with the Monsanto thing, right? How you can plant a Monsanto seed or plant whatever or and then generate your own seed from the offspring of that crop without actually purchasing the seed from Monsanto. But See, now, yeah. Yeah. Like it's I, it's not the same, I don't think. It's similar. Yeah. Yeah, like I I just it's difficult cuz I I I'm not sure I know of any parallels other than I don't know, does Apple do that? Like do you own your iPhone? Is that a thing? Cuz I remember phones used to be weird about that. Y yes. You do, you're allowed to, I think they legally said that there's a DMCA exception for, I think it was jailbreaking your iPhone. Okay. And they, they were talking about doing the same thing for unlocking. And I feel like they did. So like you are legally authorized to, to, to modify the software in those kinds of devices. But I think it just hasn't, it hasn't propagated out to everything, any technological piece like any software so far but so that's okay yeah, apparently it says here that's what they're deciding in july so but just like uh 
you buy a tractor and you don't actually own the tractor. You're just licensed to use it for the lifetime of the tractor. Like, that's just. Yeah, it uh, doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's, Again, I think that's why it's a confusion between owning the vehicle and owning the software inside of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, in absence of corporate espionage, I don't get it. Like, it's, I forget the name of the logical fallacy, but there's one where it's like, you missed a logical step somewhere in there. Yeah. Just not knowing logic. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's about the long and short of it. Yep. All right, I think we're ready to move on. Yep. We're not going to solve that, but we'll keep talking about it. We'll keep our finger on the pulse of copyright of tractors. Um, Nick, what, you you suffer from asthma, so this story is a particular interest to you, I'm sure. Yeah, that's that's basically why I clicked on it. Yeah. Uh, a cure for asthma may just be five years away, and that's super exciting. Yeah. I mean, right now um, the treatment is steroids, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I am actually on steroids all the time. Yeah. Is that why you're so irritable? <laughs> no, it, it explains the roid rage, I think. <laughs> and like, you know, the massive musculature and stuff like that. Yeah. Obviously. I think, I think that's where that's coming from. But yeah, it's um, like you don't. Right now, the inhaler system, it doesn't really fix anything. It's just, you know, it manages the symptoms. Yep. And I'm here to tell you, I'm on Symbacor, and managing the symptoms is not cheap. Right. Especially in the absence of a drug plan. Um, but apparently, the... Uh, Study published recently in Science Translational Medicine, a calcium-sensing receptor cell is responsible for the attacks. And when those cells were exposed to irritants or changes in the environment, they caused airway passages to close up. Calcolytic drugs, however, were shown to deactivate the irritated cells and stop inflammation. So Mm. if you can somehow deactivate those cells, you know... Maybe it would just fix people. Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm excited about this because usually medicine tends to research treatments for things rather than cures for them because there's no there's not a lot of money in curing something, and so normally when people come up with a drug, they'll come up with a drug that you have to take every time something happens, as opposed to taking one treatment or a course of treatment and being done with it. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not sure this is a full-on cure. It's just a different way of treating it, like with a pill as opposed to an inhaler. But, you know, understanding the mechanism by which these things happen could lead to an eventual cure, I guess. But they were saying that it uh, it stops asthma before it actually starts. Like, they're, they're yeah. proposing that you can throw away your inhaler. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that is how it would work. But I don't know if it's like a permanent deactivation or sure. just yeah. That that remains to be seen. I'm sure. But in an ideal world, that's what it would be. It wouldn't be oh, instead of taking this inhaler every time you 
are going to do exercise, you take a pill instead. Like, hopefully that's not what they're talking about, the yeah. solution being. Hopefully it's that actual... When they say cure, hopefully that's what they actually mean. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. this whole thing is just clickbait. Is is Because the, the five years, that's when you read that passage, I was like, well, that's just another treatment. That's not a cure. So I don't know. Is the five years, how long it's going to take to get to the pill? Or is that how long it's going to take to get beyond the pill and to actually curing it? We don't, well, we don't know. Okay, so... It- if we can prove that the calcolytics are safe when administered directly to the lung, then in five years we could be in a position to treat patients and potentially stop asthma from happening in the first place. Yeah. Asthma symptoms, not asthma. I that well, I don't know. This clearly this, I think this is clickbait. This I'm is not a scholarly article, but either way I'm excited. Like, oh no, it's it's definitely better than than the the inhaler and just be able to take a pill but that's not a cure yeah Yeah. like i remember the first time i went to the bike camp that i supervised or that i taught at and just like pulling up and a guy being like oh hey how's it going me just like putting up a finger and being like hold on (gasps) i need to take my inhaler (gasps) turns out that place is up a hill yeah (laughs) <laughs> no i i think it's good news for sure i just i got excited when i heard cure that's all yeah it's it, it could be yeah clinical trials will, will will show i'm sure but it won't be it won't be immediate though it'll be a few years hopefully before an actual trial is able to show that it cures it treats it we'll be able to show whether it cures it or treats it yes <laughs> It doesn't say here that it doesn't cure it. It just doesn't say that it cures it. Maybe. Other than in the headline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they do say like in here it could, could potentially stop it from happening yeah, in the first place. Exactly. Right. It being, but that's could be a paraphrase of a quote yeah. of asthma symptoms. Yep. Yeah. Well, which yeah. makes more sense. You take a pill in the morning, you're not going to get asthma symptoms. I agree. Because it's going to deactivate those cells. Yeah. That's not curing it, because just treating it better than what the current method is, is once you can't breathe, take your puffer. But it, it might be slightly different. I mean, if it's a daily pill, I agree that's pretty terrible. But if it's like a monthly pill, it's I think people would be a lot more amenable to that kind of solution. Right. Which is still technically a treatment, but just more it, yeah, ideal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, food is a treatment for hunger and death like if you don't eat you're gonna die you have to eat every single day multiple times a day are we gonna go down this this road no i'm just you're saying like breathing is a treatment to living true kind of if we want to get semantic about it which i really i'll still take like a monthly pill over daily stuff too because like yeah you get out somewhere and then you start walking a little quickly and your breathing becomes heavy and you're like ah damn it yeah yeah the whole no, I, day is just going to be crappy now. Yeah. No, I'm I'm not debating the good news of this. Yeah. I don't want it to come across that way. No, no, no. Yeah. So we're all in agreement. Yep. Yay, science. Excited, but hopefully act, this actually means cure and not just different yeah. treatment. Yeah. But but in but all even if it is different treatment, it's still better. It's a better treatment, it, yeah. Yeah. In all seriousness, though, what good has research ever done for anyone? I know. It's terrible. Right? Like, this is just... <laughs> like, who actually benefits from this? Come on. Speaking of not benefiting from a scientific research, 
Uh, our next story here is, uh, I, I guess this is kind of follow up, but this is a new thing that <laughs> happened. Um, so I, I just looked at the headline. <laughs> I learned about this at work this week. Um, the Canadian budget came out and I work at NSERC, which is a government organization. And so we were, we, I, my coworkers, my, my sort of superiors are in a lot of these meetings and hearing about stuff. And so one of the studies that was just finalized, it was a, it was a long study and it cost, apparently it cost $1.5 million to do this study on wind turbines, oh Gosh, which we've talked about in the past. We've <laughs> talked about the, the nuisance that is wind turbines and how people suffer from ill effects when they are near them, unless they don't know they're near them for whatever reason. Um, and they did a $1.5 million study, and the results were basically, to paraphrase slightly, wind turbines are annoying. There are no actual health effects, but people just don't like them. <laughs> that sounds about right. Because they can see them, not because right. they're actually doing anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or they know they're around, even yeah. if it's not about seeing them. But yeah, or they think they're around. Yeah, one point five million dollar study. Wind turbines are annoying. I'm very happy with the state of science right now, guys. Guys, my my asthma just kicked up. I'm really <laughs> hoping for that drug because it's, it's it's those wind turbines, like all those wind turbines north of Calgary. Just oh, my yep. word. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what's it. That that's what it is. It has to be. Well, they're <laughs> yeah. there, so. I mean, it's not the coal plants around. Those are probably fine. It's it's those wind turbines. Ah, oh, yeah. Silly hum. Yeah. So for they they considered all health effects, uh, including fatigue, tinnitus, vertigo, nausea, dizziness, cardiovascular disease. I'm not sure why that would be affected by wind turbines and diabetes. Uh, well, and stress. Yeah. Uh, the evidence was inadequate to come to any conclusion about the presence or absence of a causal relationship with exposure to wind turbine noise. This is this is scientific money well spent. I honestly like you so, say that in jest, but I do. If I was if I was touring around the county and I saw like all the signs that were posted about how terrible wind turbines are i would just i would love to take my bike load up the panniers with uh with, with just paper. copies of that yeah. report yeah and just staple it on there yeah this is this is one of those cases where people who swear that wind turbines cause whatever that they'll say that it's inconclusive but they'll call that a win for them right because they're gonna say well it didn't prove that it doesn't it's like because that's impossible. Science doesn't work that <laughs> yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, but it's like you can't win. So like that's I'm it's, it's like, I'm I'm upset that this was a study. Yeah, it's like playing chess with a pigeon. Like regardless how skilled you are at chess, the pigeon's just gonna knock over pieces, poop on the board, and then strut around like he won. <laughs> This is a great analogy. <laughs> I can't remember if I've used it on this show before or not, but no. big fan. I, I don't think so, but I like it. When you, when you started talking about a pigeon playing chess, I was going to say, isn't he just going to flap his wings and poop on the board? Yeah. And that's 
pretty much. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it for that story. I just it's important to know where our tax money is going in scientific research. Well, and this is one I of the I mean, things. honestly, if one point five million dollars is the cost of people actually putting up wind turbines and not being like, oh well, there is this massive study underway. Perhaps we should yeah. hold off until the evidence is in. No, now the evidence is in. You've got, I think, the energy return on investment for wind turbines is like 30 to 1. Right. Pretty good. Yeah. Honestly, throw them up because it's only a problem if people are annoyed by wind turbines. So, like, honestly, at this point, the Don Quixotes of the world can just shut up and deal with it. Yeah. Technically, that was a windmill, not a wind turbine. Same thing. Exactly the same thing. Converting converting wind energy, like wind power, mechanical or electrical energy, different form of energy. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Although I would absolutely, I would absolutely love to see some of like the anti-wind people just start jousting. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I've never read Don Quixote, so I'm not actually getting the references, but (laughs) I know it was windmills. Uh, okay, uh, Mike, this was you. Uh, yeah. So I read this and I was confused, but I'm excited that it's in the notes and we can talk about it. Okay. So everyone knows that the universe is very large and contains a variety of things in it. Um, <laughs> Good, however, Good summation. <laughs> however, there are various models and understandings of how the universe is distributed that you kind of operate under when you're looking for things. Um, so one of those things is that the universe is fairly evenly and uh, yeah, evenly distributed. Like it's very consistent. No matter where you look, you'll have kind of the same rough density of stuff in it. Um, so you wouldn't expect to see just giant spaces of nothing. Like you'll, you'll find something, whether it's dark matter or, galaxies or whatever like you'll have something there now astronomers recently came across a large structure which is actually a structure of nothing and nothing when you relative to what you would expect there so it's actually not it's called the super void mm-hmm. um but it's not nothing it's just i believe 20 percent less stuff than what you'd expect to see in any other part of the universe. Sure. Which apparently is a big deal. And mm-hmm. astronomers are pretty excited because it's not that they didn't think that these things, it's not that they thought they didn't exist, but that the chances of coming across it are so rare that this is like really cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the exact odds are, but the space of the universe divided by, the size of this thing and actually coming across it is pretty right pretty crazy they say there yeah. might only well, be a few I mean, this size in the universe yeah. that we can observe yeah in the observable universe yeah, yeah. um so i i don't i don't, this is just a cool story it's you know just having a name like super void is kind of cool and yeah. the implications of this are i believe from my understanding yet to be known at least yet for me to know right um but 
it's better to find them than not find them, I guess, as far as research and science goes. It, it's <laughs> weird to think they're referring to this as a structure, but it's strange yeah. that it's like it's almost it's the. Yeah, it's an ironic term, eh? Yeah, it's very strange that it's less stuff, but that's still a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like the name Super Void. <laughs> I, oh, man, if that is not a band name, it will be soon. The name Super Void? Yeah. Yeah. Supervoid.tumblr.com. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't even know what that would be. Just, yeah. There's so there's so many jokes I can try to make about voids and voids being really big, but <laughs> but none of them are you good went enough. There. <laughs> yeah, none of them are good enough for a Tumblr, I don't think. Yeah. So, yeah. So going back to this, it looks like this was a known type of structure. There's a fairly good understanding of why it occurs, but it's just they don't come across them very often. So the news was that they actually found one, and it's just, big, and it's a lot more empty than most voids are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the biggest one they've found so far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there has to be a biggest void. <laughs> right. It's just that this is... It, it's bigger than anything they've ever... Any sort of continuous structure they've ever found. And they found some really, really big superclusters of galaxies. And this is even bigger than that. And just a low-density area. Okay, Nick, um, your story here, we've, we've talked about cybersecurity in the past. So what's going on in the U.S. with cybersecurity? Oh, God, I don't know that I actually read it. Um, <laughs> you didn't even read it? <laughs> no, it was more like they were talking about cybersecurity strategy and they're trying to focus on offensive capabilities. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, basically, I just wanted to hear if you guys had any thoughts on it. Is it is it similar to the Canadian C fifty one where they can interfere? Is well, that similar no. to what you mean by offensive? No, it's well, like I said, I just with apologies, I assumed you guys would have heard about it, but <laughs> I heard vague references to just this discussion but i'm not sure that it really leads to it's anything incredibly new uh just that sorry it basically just that they're they're going to continue what they've been doing trying to get better at cybersecurity because they're like i think the sony hack really got to them uh and i think that they're sort of now really starting to take it seriously and make sure that they they take cybersecurity seriously. And the big the whole Edward Snowden thing that's still ongoing and was brought back to the forefront of the National Eye when he went on when he was interviewed by John Oliver on last week tonight. I think that really turned a few heads and made people realize that we have to take this even more seriously than we have been. Okay. Hold up. Yeah. Um I just have a couple paragraphs that might make this more clear. 
Cyber attacks against U.S. government and industry have grown increasingly more severe and sophisticated. The new strategy says, quote, during heightened tensions or outright hostilities, DOD, Department of Defense, must be able to provide the president with a wide range of options for managing conflict escalation. It adds that as a part of those options, the military must have cyber capabilities that can, quote, achieve key security objectives with precision and to minimize loss of life and destruction of property. Okay. So I guess it's like more military-ish. So it's not like Canada's thing was more focused on empowering the data collection agency Mm -hmm. or the service. Whereas this is more empowering the military with your cyber whatchama. Okay. So... I think this is, I mean, I mean, it is almost unequivocally good. It's just going to remain to be seen how it actually, I don't think that the United States stepping up their military presence, whether it be strategic or technological or anything is necessarily a good thing for the world, but having, being more aware of cybersecurity threats is a good thing. At least having the awareness of them. Well, yeah, I mean, cause and that's cybersecurity, but um, yeah. cyber warfare is certainly escalating. Like there was that one that uh, I think attacked an Iranian or an Iranian uranium enrichment facility. Yeah, agreed. So again, this this kind of story is is a thing where they've announced this. I mean, it's a 33-page strategic document. We'll see what kind of results come out of this, but it's not its not the kind of thing where you can talk about it and then it's over. It's, it's just getting started. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think of what they'd possibly want to be trying to do, like to just remotely shut down servers overseas somehow or... I'm not sure what type of attacks or offenses they could carry out other than reactionary kind of defenses. Like I don't I don't understand what they mean by offenses. Like preemptive hack to like China? Like I don't understand. Yeah, I I kind of well, agree what, with what you. they're trying to get at. Yeah. yeah. Perhaps we should all just read the article and then come back to it and I, follow up next. I don't week. know that reading the article will necessarily help because yeah. it's just introducing the fact that this report was released. I think it's going to take. What good is reading news articles any ever done anyone, Rob? I mean, honestly, I skimmed through it. It doesn't say anything. Yeah, it doesn't say anything. <laughs> okay, there's no information in it. If you want, if we wanted, we could read the 33 page strategy report. But yeah, I don't think that's a good use of all oh, any of our time. Well, <laughs> well, well. I mean, I'm fun employed again, so maybe I could do that. Fun employed. <laughs> Fun employed, Mike. We don't all live in oil rich Alberta. Or we you haven't all lived in oil rich Alberta since, <laughs> I don't know, 1988? Yeah. Not 1988 for Mike. Yeah. You haven't lived what? there the whole time. Oh, right. I didn't what? catch that part about living here the okay. whole time. Wait, uh, where did you go? Well, this is a. Topic for off air, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so uh, I think 
in terms of the the show, we can leave it there for this week. There are a couple of stories that are maybe less time sensitive or not as time sensitive. So we can, if they, if they're still important next week, we'll, we'll bring them up, but we can bump them. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll see you in the after show if there's anything pressing going on. So, uh, sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. For the time being, thank you everyone who has listened to this week's future chat. I'd especially like to thank audible.com one more time for helping to support the podcast and don't forget to, uh, you can head to audibletrial.com slash unwind right now to get a free audiobook as well as a free 30 day trial, uh, to check out their service. And we will be back next week with more science and tech talk. Uh, this week at my special homework assignment for you is to go to reddit.com slash r slash unwind media, uh, and go and leave a comment on one of the shows or go and check out the other shows that are there. Uh, I've been posting stuff to Reddit just to get people to to see it, and uh, the audience there isn't huge, and I don't I don't need it to be. The audience is basically just me posting stuff in onto Reddit now. But um, I like Reddit, and I like the way the the discussions can work. So I think it's an interesting platform, and I'm I'm trying to use it more. Uh, you can also go to unwindmedia.com to see the other shows we have here and uh, past episodes of this show. And more will be at futurechat.me on the web. See you guys next week. See you, Rob. See you then. Nick, why don't you just oh, go to the washroom and then we'll convene. <laughs> and I'll move stuff around and we'll, we'll figure out. Awesome. Okay. See you guys in like four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and now a word from our sponsors. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsors. Washrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Mike, you, we, we got through your stories except for this birth control one. Um, yeah. Did, did you read the story I put in here about dark matter? No, I think you en- entered that in a little late, but I put stuff, I put it in Slack immediately. <laughs> well, I don't, that's why I do Slack it. Articles. But that's why I do it. I just, I swipe those notifications away. Right. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to burst your bubble so there those notifications i put the stories in there because that means we can figure like we can talk about them if they're interesting before oh really i thought you're just letting us know that you're putting them in there well i mean i technically i also am doing that but it's like hey you can talk about this um so basically the the article is about dark matter and how science is working on figuring out what it is and we're like we're starting to actually try to untangle the mystery of how it works and how it interacts with matter and all this but saying that it's probably not going to be what we what we think it is now like it's not some really obscure thing that there's no way you could see coming it's going to be something that probably fits pretty closely into what we already know it's just going to make other things make sense and it'll probably just be sort of like neutrinos that there are these things that don't interact with matter very much but they happen to have mass and there's a lot of it in the universe what do they say that something like 20 percent of stuff in the universe is dark matter and then like 70 percent of it is dark energy and only a tiny bit of it is matter and energy i think they just consider dark stuff all as one as far as matter and energy being the same do they though but it's yeah they say 75 percent of it is dark okay and I think 25% is the stuff we can actually see. Whether it's dark matter or dark energy, they don't really distinguish. At least my common 
my fact, I think it was, remember, was 75% is dark, right. whether it's energy or matter. Interesting. And I think usually when you talk about it, I think I've kind of heard the two terms used interchangeably. Granted, if you talk about like lensing and stuff, I think it would be the dark matter that would cause that versus the dark energy. Cause... Right. This is what I have seen. I'm going to put a link in the chat thing. I've <gasps> seen 75% dark energy, 22% dark matter, and 4% regular matter. Oh. And if I Google dark that's matter pie chart, that's what comes up over and over again. Like similar ratios. See, I remember that 74%, but I thought that was both dark matter and energy. Yeah, I thought that's a vast majority was dark and like we barely can see anything. I just hmm. want to jump in here and say that I have clicked on the link and I had to add a security exception to <laughs> a pie chart. <laughs> Mine just, didn't. The, uh, the security... Uh, the site's using outdated security settings. Ah, obsolete cryptography to Princeton.edu. <laughs> I think that's See, safe. Didn't give a warning. To view, to view universepi.jpg. Yep. Goodness me. Um. Yeah. So we, Nick, we were talking about the dark matter in this. Basically, I'll, I'm going to put. I'll put a link to this, and I'll put a link to that pie chart as well. But basically, it's. The universe is mostly dark stuff, and I don't think it's going to be necessarily as earth-shattering as what we've sort of been we've sort of been building up what dark matter actually is in scientific minds. But I think that's kind of going to be just some other thing that we don't fully understand yet. It's not going to be some sort of exotic matter that like there are aliens around, but they're just dark aliens, so we can't see them. It's just going to be some trivial explanation. If it was, well, I'm not sure trivial. Not, but okay, maybe not trivial, but there'll like be something. There'll be an explanation that does not live up to the hype yeah, in science yeah. fiction. I'm guessing. I think just like because 96 percent of the universe is dark stuff, you think we'd have encountered a bit more of an explanation for what it is. You would versus just seeing the effects of it, right? But we have with the only way it affects the only way it interacts with normal matter is through gravity which is a very weak right. force. So we don't have a lot of exposure to it. But you're saying that it's, it could just be neutrinos. It could just be something like that, some kind of particle that weakly interacts with... But particles are considered, like, atoms. Like, no, but I mean... Aren't they? I mean, they're just some kind of particle. We don't know... We don't have the actual... How do you explain How do you say that? The, the actual mechanism by which gravity works we're starting to understand with the higgs boson right. and with all that but we don't really right. know how matter interacts through gravity so it might right. just be but, that there are particles that just don't interact through gravity that we can't that only see that pie chart the pie chart said two percent or four percent atoms yeah which to me means the dark stuff by definition isn't atoms i don't think a so to say that is an atom I'm, i mean i obviously don't know the validity of this pie chart using the word atoms there are other pie charts that use different uh there's one that has 3.6 percent non-luminous matter and one um, 0.4 percent yeah. that says luminous matter see that's that's a completely different thing but that still adds up to four percent that's still that's both right but you can't you yeah. can't just say atoms no and, I, I know yeah i agree with you on that this other one 
says 63% dark matter, 10% neutrinos, 15% photons, and 12% atoms. I don't think, I don't think we should really, be linking any pie charts. We don't understand what's going on is basically the story that I'm getting here. <laughs> I like that we just can't see Nick and we have no idea if he's even he might not be here there. or listening. I think he's there, but I don't know. There's no way to or know. Or am I? Oh. <laughs> he's giving himself away. Okay. Let's talk about this Facebook and yeah, Twitter let's thing. Yeah, let's saddle, saddle that for now. What do, you, what do you call that? Sideline? No, I don't remember. Some sort of backburner buzzword. I don't think it's backburner either. Anyways, uh, so you want to hear about Facebook? I love talking about Facebook. Uh, yeah, I want to hear about Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> so Facebook is apparently going to tweak their algorithms. They tweak them towards pages. Pages, again, pages that had paid for reach. They tweak them to sending people to more page stuff. And now they're apparently tweaking it. They tweaked it too far, they think, so they're tweaking it back towards making your friends, what your friends post more relevant. Mm. And so you're less likely to see if your friend likes a page uh, post, a post on a page, you're less likely to see that than you are uh, just a, some person getting a post liked. Rather, mm. like you're rather more likely to see stuff from what actual people did than what pages did. Yeah. Which, it's now, fine. We had this conversation, I can't remember if it was on air or not, but I think it was during our, our uh, Fake It, the last one, mm-hmm. when you asked me if I saw your posts, like, yeah. say, your couple of recent posts. Like, uh, for, for you, because I've noticed that Facebook doesn't show me a lot of stuff, I have notifications on for people that I actually want to see the stuff they post. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not a page, just profiles. So I see stuff that people post, whether it gets to my feed or not. Right. But when I actually went back to check to see if your stuff, Rob, made it, it wasn't. Right. Even though I had seen it because I got notified by it, I otherwise wouldn't have seen it. Right. So, but I feel that I interact with you a, a lot amount on Facebook. Yeah. Right? Did you just kick Nick out? I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought uh, I might have, but I wasn't even touching my computer. Yeah, but I think from an algorithm standpoint, you and I should be fairly high prioritized for being in each other's. Feeds. I would think so. Uh, like, but yeah, apparently not. As far as Facebook thinks, I'd want to see. Yeah, sometimes I will weird. even post something to my own wall, and then I won't see it. It'll disappear. It won't even appear on my news feed for something I posted. <laughs> and it just it, that doesn't make any sense to me um people who are just listening nick has apparently somehow blocked himself um <laughs> from his own from appearing in this video chat i'm gonna see if i can bring him back so if if he can still hear us he can still talk he, and it'll be in the final cut this. oh he can't okay well he's not in the chat right he's not watching is he that he can't join or that he can't view it uh, he can't join it. Oh. Um, I'll try to fix this. So yeah, Facebook is twe- is tweaking their stuff in that direction. There's also news here about Twitter making some changes. So first off, they... Ooh, sorry, go ahead, Mike. You look like... Oh, you're... I was going to say, yeah, I, I, I heard about this Twitter thing. I never actually 
looked into what it was. There's something about cyberbullying, I think. So there were two big or things. people that, concerned about it. There were two yeah. big things that Twitter did. And one of them they didn't even really do last week. I think the new, the media just picked up on it for some reason again last week. So they had a policy a while back. It was a really long time ago where you could you could turn on the ability to have anybody, any user send you direct messages. You didn't have to follow them. They didn't have to, or if they followed you, they could send you a direct message. And uh, that's been on for a long time. And then in the news, it came up again that you could do that. And so there was a big thing about, oh, I can't believe Twitter is allowing you to do this. But again, not mentioning that this is a thing that you had to opt into. Like you had to check a, a box to say, I want this. And it had been on for a really long time. So it just sort of seemed weird. That wasn't the, that was the news story that was kind of stupid. But then there was this other one that was saying that was making it a lot easier to report people for abuse. Okay. And, oh, I forget what it was. I'm trying to remember this because it, it, uh, there, there are a lot of people who take abuse on Twitter who get, a lot of people talking to them about abuse and there have been really well-known Twitter personalities who have left Twitter or stopped using it because of all this hate they're getting, like literally death threats, terrible things happening. The whole Gamergate thing has, it's just been terrible. And uh, so what they wanted to do is I think what it was, uh, it, it's supposed to limit how far abusive tweets can get. So you can report, um, you can report users for being abusive, and the co- the company will take steps to stop that tweet from going further out. Hmm. That sounds like the Facebook thing. Because Facebook recently did a similar thing mm-hmm. that we talked about. They, yeah. So how you could flag posts for being there's a one about it being bad science or bad research or a misleading article, right. and it would yeah. mute it would start to mute the propagation mm-hmm. of that. And I think there's a similar thing for like inappropriate or just you could just flag posts as not being good, right? And then it would do a similar thing. It would just kind of cut off the propagation of that from reaching other people's feeds, mm-hmm. I think. Right? Yeah. But it wouldn't look any different to the person posting it because they'd still see their own post. Right. Yeah. So it wouldn't delete it. It would just stop it from getting anywhere. Shadow blocking, I believe is what it's called. Okay. Um, so the, the biggest p- part of this Twitter change is that rather than the sort of the big thing was that with Twitter, if you get your account shut down because you're abusive to somebody, if even if you go through the the person who's getting abused goes through the process gets the account deleted this person can just turn around and create a new account and do the exact same thing so what this is doing is taking the approach of rather than deleting the account they will block the account they won't delete it they will say when you log in you'll get a message that says something something you've you have been making abusive tweets and then saying basically delete these tweets and you will be able to continue using Twitter. But like, if you're going to be abusive, you can't use it. We're not going to sh- shut down your account, but we're going to block you from being able to use your account. So in that way, it it doesn't 
people won't be necessarily just getting their account deleted and opening a new account and continuing, but they will actually have to deal with the consequences of their behavior. And I mean, obviously deleting a tweet doesn't unhurt somebody, but if that, when that keeps happening to you, it's going to be a nuisance to have to keep, I mean, what I'm trying to say is it's not a perfect solution, but it's, it's like limiting abuse in any form is good. Like this isn't, it's it's a positive mm-hmm. step to take and it's not going to necessarily fix the abuse problem on Twitter, but it's at least going to help. Hmm. That's interesting. They're taking that approach versus making an executive decision to delete the tweet themselves. If it's like an obviously like this isn't a, like a free speech issue where it's like, Oh, well I don't believe what that person's saying or that kind of thing. If it's like, Oh, well I'm going to like, Whatever. I don't even want to come up with an example. Yeah. But if it's an obviously bad tweet, then you'd think Twitter should just be okay just deleting that tweet. Yeah. But I don't know if that starts getting into, like, yeah, freedom of speech or whatever type. Right. They're, well, what they're saying things. is you can use this platform. You can try to, you, if you're being abusive, we will not allow you to use this platform anymore unless you stop being abusive, which is a positive okay. reinforcement loop instead of just being like, Oh, you're shut down. And then that's when people start complaining about bad free speech arguments is when they are shut down. So you're not being shut down. You're saying, like, you can talk all you want on this platform. Just don't be offensive. Right. Yeah. So I think it's a a positive thing. 